Welcome to the Locked On Islanders Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian, and I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. Alright everybody and welcome to the Monday edition of the Locked On Islanders podcast brought to you by Built Bar. And just remember with the promo code Locked On, you can get $10 off of your first box of Built Bar. Yesterday I had the mint chocolate cream and when I was playing a little bit of soccer outside, so nice out, had to get out. I, I was playing better than I have in quite some time. Maybe that's why. Uh, remember, promo code Locked On gets you $10 off your first box at www.builtbar.com. All right, so the weekend, as far as hockey goes, some more news about where the league is at, where the league may be heading. We'll also, on today's show, discuss uh, Ilya Sorokin. Uh, April 30th, obviously, has come and gone. Still no contract. We'll talk a little bit about that on today's show. We will continue our look at the greatest moments in Islanders history. And this is an unusual one because we're going to talk a little bit about a a fight and how this fight actually affected the Islanders uh, on their run to their first ever Stanley Cup. So we're going to look back at a game that was an important game for the Islanders and, and a couple of fights that really did uh, impact the Islanders' run to Stanley Cup number one. Hard to believe that was 40 years ago. We also have this date in Islanders' history and a whole lot more to talk about on today's show. Don't forget, you can uh, send us a question or a comment or please, if you have a suggestion, for one of the Islanders' greatest games in franchise history that we haven't talked about yet, you can email us at LockedOnIslanders at gmail.com, or you can contact us on Twitter at LockedOnIsles, or follow me, Gil Martin, on Twitter at IceWars, N-Y-R-V-S-N-Y-I, and we'll keep you up to date on all the latest news and notes regarding the New York Islanders. All right, so... Let's start with Ilya Sorokin and the reports that are coming out of Russia right now. Even though Sorokin's contract expired Thursday, which was April 30th, uh, Sorokin apparently not in a rush to sign that entry-level contract with the New York Islanders. And on the one hand, you know, if you're an Islanders fan, you've heard so much talk about Sorokin how good a goalie he is, what he could mean to this franchise going forward. 
If you look up his numbers in the KHL, they're off the charts. Unbelievable. So you're eager to get him here. But at the same time, with quarantine in effect, the New York metropolitan area, Long Island, still being uh, more or less shut down except for those jobs and those stores that are deemed essential, we are... You know, this wouldn't it wouldn't be like Sorokin could come here and start working at the Islanders facility. He would, uh, you know, have to be quarantined for two weeks just to get here and sign the contract. So a lot of, you know, reasons why maybe it doesn't or isn't as urgent as it normally is to have him come in. No reports at this time that Sorokin doesn't want to play with the Islanders, isn't eager to play with the Islanders. But at the end of the day, uh, not in a rush right now to sign a contract. And again, I think the pandemic is probably the biggest reason for the delay. We will, as always, keep you up to date on all the latest news about Ilya Sorokin and all things Islanders, whether it be obviously here on the Locked On Islanders podcast or uh, on Twitter. So uh, we'll certainly be with you and fill you in on all the details, and we'll tell you not just what's happening, but why. Meanwhile, over the weekend, NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman basically saying that it is possible that the league could push the start of the 2020-2021 season as far back as December. And uh, here's what he told the NHL Network. We have a great deal of flexibility in terms of when we can start. There's no magic for next season of starting in October as we traditionally do. If we have to start in November or December, that's something that will be under consideration. As far as a timetable for resuming play, Bettman still saying, I don't think anybody knows when for certain. We're going to have to take things one step at a time because the health and well-being of our players is paramount to anything that we're focused on. Now, the latest rumors that we've been hearing is that the NHL may move to quote-unquote phase two of their return-to-play plan by the middle or end of this month, and that would be reopening team facilities at first for informal workouts. Now, You know, again, because the New York metropolitan area is so hard hit, it may very well be likely that the Islanders uh, do not end up training here and may have to go elsewhere to, uh, to begin training, but we'll have to see how that one plays out. Meanwhile, yesterday, Sunday, Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau basically said that if the NHL season starts up again, players who fly into Canada while the border between Canada and the United States remains closed would need to follow quarantine policies due to the pandemic as it continues. So Trudeau says, certainly at a strict minimum, anyone who arrives from another country will have to follow all the rules of quarantine in an extremely strict manner, but we're not there yet in our discussions with the NHL. We recognize that's a possibility, but it depends on an enormous amount of things, and I don't want to speculate 
until there is more discussion. As of right now, we know of eight players who had tested positive for the COVID-19 virus, members of the Colorado Avalanche and Ottawa Senators. I believe it's five Senators and three Avalanche players, uh, but all of them have since made a recovery, and obviously we are very pleased uh, about that. And another thing that you'll be pleased about are Built Bars. Built Bars are tasty. They're the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. They have 16 amazing flavors, 8 chocolate or nut flavors, and 8 chocolate nut-free flavors. And all of the protein bars are covered with 100% chocolate. They are soft and easy to chew. And the other thing that I love, Built Bar is great. For the health conscious guy, you can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. The bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber. And uh, look, we got, I had the peanut butter brownie the other day. That one has 20 grams of protein, 170 calories, not much for a, a chocolate bar, a protein bar, only three grams of sugar and three grams of net carbs. So it's tasty, it's healthy, and you're really going to love it. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and you'll get $10 off your first order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. All right, time for this date in Islanders history. We take you back to May the 4th. 1976 NHL Semifinals, Islanders hosting the Montreal Canadiens at the Nassau Coliseum for Game 4 of their semifinal series. And this series, you know, the Islanders again for the second straight season in 1976, reaching the semifinals, going up against the Canadiens who were starting that year. Uh, one of their great dynasty seasons. And even though the Islanders were behind in this series at this point, 3-0, they certainly uh, played the Canadians close in each of the first three games. And that, in the end, ended up giving this team a little bit more confidence. They lost game one at the Forum in Montreal, 3-2. Lost game two, Again, in Montreal, 4-3, came back to the Coliseum for Game 3 and lost by a 3-2 margin. So three games, losing each of them by one goal, now facing off in Game 4 at the Coliseum. Chico Resch is the goalie for the New York Islanders, while Ken Dryden, the future Hall of Famer, was in between the pipes for the Montreal Canadiens. It would be the Islanders getting on the board first. Jude Drouin, his fifth of the playoffs from Dennis Potvin at 6.55, and the Islanders were up one to nothing early on in the game. And just 35 seconds later, Potvin would score one himself. That's Dennis, not his brother, uh, Jean. Dennis Potvin, his fifth of the playoffs from Jude Drouin and J.P. Parise, at 7.30, and after the first period, the Islanders led the Canadiens 2 to nothing. In the second period, the Islanders would extend their lead. Jude Drouin, his second of the game, six to the playoffs, 
Bob Nystrom and Dennis Potvan with the helpers at 553. And then the Islanders would make it a 4 to nothing hockey game as Billy McMillan got his fourth of the playoffs from Gary Howitt and Andre St. Laurent at 13:29 after 40 minutes it was the islanders with a 4 to nothing lead over the canadians and just to give you an idea of how many hall of famers were on this montreal team a team that you know was one of the most dominant teams in nhl history you got defenseman Guy Lapointe, winger Guy Lafleur, Yvonne Cornwayer Serge Savard, Larry Robinson, Doug Jarvis, one of the great defensive centers in hockey history, Steve Shutt, Bob Gainey, Jacques Lemaire, and then, of course, Ken Dryden in goal. I mean, that is a lineup that is just unbelievable. And uh, there's a reason that this team won so many hockey games. Just top to bottom, that roster was absolutely stacked. So the Islanders led 4-0 after 40 minutes, but the Canadiens did their best to get back in the game. They made a late run. Guy Lafleur, his fourth of the playoffs from Jacques Lemaire at 17:21. so still just two and a half minutes, 2.39 left in regulation. And you think, okay, it's 4-1. Islanders have this wrapped up. Guy Lafleur scores again, his fifth of the playoffs from Serge Savard and Guy Lapointe at 18-26. And all of a sudden, the Islanders are a little nervous. It's now a two-goal game. They pull Ken Dryden, Montreal does, for an extra attacker. Scotty Bowman and Al Arbor, by the way, the two coaches in this one, two of the all-time great bench bosses in NHL history. So they pull Ken Dryden and the Islanders are able to ice it. Lorne Henning gets his second goal of the playoffs on the power play. An unassisted power play empty net goal for the uh, Islanders as they ice it at 19-14. Final score in this one, Islanders 5, Canadiens 2. And the Islanders stay alive at the very least in this one. Dennis Potvan with a goal and two assists, Jude Druan, two goals and one assist to pace the Islanders' attack. Uh, defenseman Jerry Hart, Dennis Potvan, and Jude Druan were each a plus three in this game. Canadians outshot the Islanders 38-33, to and Chico Resch doing a very good job. 36 saves in this one, including 11 in the third period, 16 saves in the first period. So, you know, the Islanders give up 16 shots on goal in the first period, but led two to nothing. As far as shots on goal were concerned, Billy Harris and Jude Druan led the Islanders with five each. But for the Islanders, a big win. They stayed alive and still trailed the Canadiens in this NHL semifinal by a margin of three games to one. Final score on this date in Islanders history, Islanders 5, Canadiens 2, on May 4th, 1976. So we're talking about the greatest moments in Islanders history, some of the greatest games in Islanders history. This week, we're continuing that series. Uh, We did five last week. We're going to do five more. And... 
you know, again, I could have just done the four Stanley Cup wins and then a couple of other games, and I didn't think that was really the way to go. And I wanted to get different types of games and some games from different eras into this series. And, you know, I have mixed feelings about fighting and hockey. Intellectually, I always say, hey, you know, the game is good enough without fighting. I, I love the skill, the speed, all of that. And yet, when there is a fight, I'd be lying if I said to you that it wasn't exciting and an emotional thing and that fighting can change the momentum of a hockey game. Well, in this instance, I'm actually going to go back and discuss a fight that, in my opinion and in the opinion of a lot of different experts, helped change the way the Islanders not only played but were perceived around the league. The date is April 19th, 1980. Islanders and the Boston Bruins meeting in game three of their, again, semifinal, uh, excuse me, quarterfinal series uh, in the NHL playoffs back in 1980. Islanders had won the first two games at the Boston Garden, two to one in overtime in game one, five to four in overtime in game two. So must win situation for Boston as the series heads to the Nassau Coliseum for Game 3. Boston has Hall of Fame goalie Jerry Cheevers in the nets. Islanders have Hall of Fame goalie Billy Smith in theirs. And here's the situation. And Clark Gillies remembered that, that this game was a real turning point in the Boston series. And it changed the way the Islanders kind of thought of themselves. Here is a quote from Clark Gillies. We beat the LA Kings in four games and came back and had to play the Bruins. The first two games were in Boston. I was rooming with Bobby Nystrom at the time. The night before the game, we were in our beds watching the 11 o'clock news. When the sports came on, the news anchor said to the sports guy, What do you think about the Bruins series? They're going up against the Islanders. They're a pretty good hockey team. The sports guy said, ah, I think the Bruins in five. They'll intimidate the Islanders so bad that the Islanders won't even want to play. I thought Bobby Nystrom was going to go through the TV. Bobby looked at me and said, we're not going to let that happen. This is going to be different. The Bruins, the big bad Bruins as they were then known, but the Bruins are not going to intimidate this team. You and I are not going to let that happen. So... Gillies gets the game winner in overtime in game one. And the Islanders win again just a little more than a minute into the hawk, into the extra session. In game two, Bob Bourne gets the overtime winner again, a minute 24 into the overtime. And there were a lot of fights uh, in game two. It's where the tone of the series changed. And again, uh, two nights later, here's Gillies, we played them in somewhere in the first period. Terry O'Reilly ran me into the boards and all hell broke loose. He and I had a fight. Nystrom ended up fighting John Wensick. We knew it was going to happen. The papers were all over us the next day. They said the Bruins didn't play a good game and they've got to be more physical. 
We knew it was going to explode early in the next game, which it did. We had a big brawl at the end of the first period. Guys on both teams got the crap beat out of them. We went on, and we won that game. Guys in the locker room were so pumped and so intense that I knew there was no way those guys were going to beat us. We had a big, strong team, and they couldn't intimidate us. We just had to prove it to ourselves. And again, in Game 3, more fights between O'Reilly and Gillies. O'Reilly and I had two more fights, and Nystrom was fighting with somebody, and Howitt was fighting with somebody. We beat them, smiles Gillies in his recollection. So the Islanders essentially in this particular instance, and we're going to break down game three, but in games two and three, the Islanders able to stand up to a team then known as the big bad Bruins. And you look at this Boston lineup again, plenty of hall of famers here, but also look, they had hall of famers, Ray Bork and Brad Park, two great defensemen, you had a great goal scorer in Peter McNabb, another one in Rick Middleton, some obscure defensive defenseman that no Islander fan has ever heard of named Mike Milbury. But you also had a lot of tough guys. John Wensink was a tough guy, uh, an intimidator. Al Secord could certainly drop the gloves. O'Reilly, Milbury was a tough guy. Brad McCrimmon could play a tough. Stan Jonathan, Dwight Foster, Wayne Cashman. All of these guys were physical players, and the Bruins earned a reputation of being physical. So, so game two was a, a fight-filled contest, just an unbelievable grudge match. And this is at the Boston Garden, the ice surface, for those of you who may not remember, smaller there, less room in the neutral zone, a lot more physical style of play there and oh boy did the thing did fights get crazy early and often so in the first period up two games to none brian trottier gets the islanders on the board first his fourth of the playoffs from ken morrow and bob Bourne at 1608 that was the only goal of the first period but o'reilly and gillies dropped the gloves at just 246 of that first period and gillies manhandled o'reilly got him down on the ice, kept punching him, and O'Reilly, you know, wasn't done yet. Another fight at 8.05 of that first period. Wayne Cashman and Gary Howitt going at it. Howitt picked up an extra two for boarding. At 15.31, John Wensick and Bob Nystrom drop the gloves. And again, Nystrom more than holds his own against the tough guy, John Wensick. And then at 19.53, with uh, seven seconds left in the first period, Gillies and O'Reilly drop the gloves again, and Gillies beats O'Reilly a second time. Another fight breaks out between Dwayne Sutter and Wayne Cashman, uh, and Al Secord was involved also, and we had all kinds of misconducts, and uh, it was more or less a bench-clearing brawl at the 20-minute mark of that first period, and hopefully you would think that the players got it out of their system. Boston ties the game early in the second period. Defenseman Rick Smith, his first from Rick Middleton at 132. And then with so many players in the penalty box, it stayed 1-1 for the first half 
of the second period. John Tonelli got the Islanders the lead back. His third from Stefan Pearson at 10.40. A minute 20 seconds later, Brad McCrimmon, his first from Dick Redman and Dwight Foster. And it's all even at 2-2. Two to two. The Islanders get back into the lead on a shorthanded goal with Gillies in the box for slashing. Lorne Henning, his first of the playoffs from Brian Trache and Dennis Potvin at 14.33. But the Bruins answer back a little more than two minutes later. Brad Park, his third, unassisted at 16.55. We go to the third period. Bob Miller gave the Bruins the lead at 10.51 of the third his third of the playoffs from Ray Bork and Don Marcotte, but a mere uh, 15 seconds later, Bob Nystrom ties it, his second of the playoffs from John Tonelli and Brian Trottier. The game heads to overtime, and as we said, Bob Bourne wins it in the extra session at 124. Islanders lead 2 to nothing in the series. Game three back at the Coliseum, Islanders win it. 5-3, to three. and in the second period of that game, Gillies and O'Reilly go at it twice, once at 5.50, and again, Gillies really getting the better of O'Reilly, then again at 14.08 of the second period, Gillies again emerging victorious, and by the way, O'Reilly dropped the gloves early in the third period, this time with Gary Howitt, and he earned himself a game misconduct as a result. Islanders end up winning this hockey game 5-3 to three at the Coliseum. Again, Billy Smith out-dueling Jerry Cheevers. Bob Bourne and Bob Nystrom each with a goal and two assists. Brian Trottier, two goals and two assists. Smith making 32 saves to earn the win. But here's the thing, the takeaway. The Islanders, from these two games, learned that they could handle any physicality that any other hockey team threw at them. And this would be huge in the Stanley Cup Finals this year against the Philadelphia Flyers. And Clark Gillies, for those of you who have heard him interviewed and, and you know, know about his past and, and the way he viewed hockey fights, was never a big fan of them, and yet even, and he was a reluctant fighter, and yet Gillies acknowledges the importance of these two games, where he was able to, he he and the Islanders knew the Bruins were coming at them with everything they could handle physically, the Islanders did not back down, their tough guy, Gillies, took on Terry O'Reilly, the toughest guy on the Bruins roster, The Islanders held their own, and it gave them a different level of confidence that they needed to win their first ever Stanley Cup two series later when they faced off against the Philadelphia Flyers, and of course you had the Nystrom goal. So, going at it a little bit differently, not usually talking about the importance of fighting in hockey, but in this particular instance, in this particular era... Uh, What Gillies was able to do to Terry O'Reilly really did give the Islanders of 1979-80 a lot of confidence and took them to another level as far as knowing they could beat anybody, any way an opposing team tried to play them. 
That wraps up this edition of Locked On Islanders. Now, tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked On NHL. Have a great day, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow with more great Islanders coverage, including our next great moment in Islanders history. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, and let's go Islanders.